I would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that I am located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and I am privileged and honoured to live and learn on the unceded, unsurrendered territory of the Anishinaabe Algonquin Nation. Hello, you're listening to Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front, produced by iGlen Studios, a show for emerging leaders from all professions. To hear from other leaders who have led from the front, made the mistakes, had the triumphs, and are still learning along the way. And now, here's your host, Simon Cardinal. Often either as leaders or followers, we don't see or realize the immediate impact that we're making. In the moment, it's very hard to recognize that what we are doing has immediate and broader ramifications than just the small tasks that we're performing right now. But as a leader, especially at the early or junior stages of a leadership career, we have the most direct and powerful influence on our people. In this episode, we'll discuss where leadership influence begins and when it stops. I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint. It never stops. As well, we'll discuss the importance of building connections with your team. I'll do this by telling you a little bit about a time I failed as a leader, followed by an example of how I learned from this failure and was able to turn my mistake into a win. We'll use these stories to provide some tips and tricks to help you put another tool in your leadership toolbox and help you have more success stories than cringeworthy ones. I'd like to start by telling you a story about a time that I was a leader and I failed in epic fashion. Many years ago, around 1996, I was still in the infantry and I was volunteering at a local cadet squadron. It was a time when I still thought that I was amazeballs. I was still fairly immature and I really, really had no concept of how much influence I could have on people. I had been volunteering for a year or two and helping out with these things like teaching drill, field craft and such, and on one of the weekend field exercises, I had loaned my cherished knife to a cadet who was maybe 15 years old, and at some point, he lost the knife. He came up to me, trembling, barely able to hold back tears, and he told me that he lost the knife and that he was so very sorry. I mean, I could hear the anguish, guilt, and sorrow in his voice, and what did I do? I proceeded to tear him a new one, even though I knew he was sorry, and honestly, I wasn't even mad about the knife. I knew it was an accident. Somehow, some way, I just thought that he knew I was kidding and being sarcastic. With tears running down his face, he turned to walk away from me, and as he turned, he put his hands in his pockets and felt the knife inside a secondary pocket. He turned quickly and handed me the knife, smiling so happy, and I grabbed it, mumbled thanks and walked away, again, me thinking that he knew I was being sarcastic. We all carried on with the weekend as though nothing had happened. It wasn't until years later, when I matured a bit, I mean, let's be honest, I matured a lot, and I began to see what type of leader I had been in that moment, compared to the type of leader I actually wanted to be, that I began to see the many mistakes I made back then. I'd like to say that this was an isolated incident and that I simply had a brain fart, but the truth is that I wasn't ready to be a leader. I didn't understand the influence, the immediate impact that I was having on people. I'll always be ashamed of how I acted then, and I'll always, always keep these reminders fresh in my mind to help me stay centered and grounded. 
So what are some of the practical things that I learned from this story? I learned that actions are important. Good or bad, we need to think about how our actions will influence people. I learned that I need to curb my sarcasm. I'm not suggesting I need to change who I am or you need to change who you are to be a better leader, but the check valve in your mind really needs to be used. Use it. It's there for a reason. And the third thing that I learned out of this story was that influence is immediate. Remember this. Influence is immediate. As a leader, when you are in charge of people, how you act, how you stand, what you say is influencing people. I learned that influence is immediate. Your influence on the people that you're in charge of is immediate. How you stand, what you're saying, how you think you're saying it versus how they think they're seeing it matters. Your influence is happening right now. Keep that in mind. Your influence is immediate. And if you're not sure that you've made a mistake, maybe consider if the moment makes you cringe. You know, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of a time when I was at a grocery store with my then two-year-old daughter. I was in the meat section and my little girl came running up to me with something in her hand. What's important is that she had this giant, super proud smile on her face for collecting this thing for me. She was just a few feet away from me when I explained that we didn't need the item. She looked at me, back down at the item, slumped her shoulders, and just as a senior citizen walked up beside me, she very clearly and very loudly said, well, shit. <laughs> she then dejectedly walked away as I stood there, mouth wide open, getting a death glare from this older gentleman. This, my friends, seems like a pretty clear example of when my influence went sideways. And while we can all laugh about it now, at the time, and for many years later, I cringed when I think about that story. And so, I'd like you to ask yourself, what are your failure stories? Because we all have them, and we're all going to continue making them. I'd like to offer that you consider one of them. Look at that moment when your influence affected the outcome. Furthermore, I'd like to suggest you stop and look at what you did, what you think was wrong, and how you would do it differently. The thing is, we are going to make mistakes. We will forget how easily we can and do influence people and situations. The trick is to be honest with ourselves and admit we made this mistake and to use these failures as reminders of how we don't want to act. Oh, hello there. It's Glenn, the voiceover artist. And if you're hearing me, that means we're at the midpoint of this episode. Do you have an idea for an episode that you feel is vital for emerging leaders? Leave the idea in the comments section, and if your topic is chosen, you will have the opportunity to join us as a co-host during the recording session. So, drop us a note and let's talk. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you, and if you feel we've earned it, please tell your friends and leave a review to help us grow our following. And now, back to the show. So when we're talking about subordinates, direct reports, team members, hires, really whatever term you want to use, your people will sense when we as leaders are genuinely trying to help them succeed. And they'll also sense when we're trying to feed our own egos. I'd like to use an example of a time when my influence as a leader proved to be successful and helpful. 
From 2011 to 2014, I was a basic training instructor. And for the last year and a half of this time, I was a staff member for what was called the Warrior Fitness Training Platoon, or WFT. This platoon was made up of people who had been on basic military qualification course or the basic military officer qualification course. And all of them had failed some component of the course, resulting in their removal from the training. The role of my staff and I was to figure out how to help the member rectify the problem and get them back onto a new platoon to continue their training. As you can imagine, the morale of a group ranging from 80 to 120 people who had all failed some component of their course was pretty low. Furthermore, it took time to get people ready and onto a platoon, which often meant that they forgot their other required skills, thus becoming a liability to rejoin a new platoon. My team and I devised a comprehensive training plan that consisted of refresher courses of every aspect of basic training. This program lasted for a few months, and when the program was completed, we organized a day-long validation exercise consisting of a series of tests to ensure the recruits were well-versed in all subjects. At the end of the day, the staff and recruits gathered together, and we had supper while we informally chatted about how the day went. The recruits explained that they felt as though they were part of the team, doing real training, and treated as though they were equals even though they had failed something. They responded by working harder, telling the staff many times how happy and proud they were to be in the Canadian Armed Forces. We then played a war movie, naturally, provided some healthy snacks, and gave the recruits some well-deserved time to relax and decompress after a long day. The question is, how do I know I can use this example as a success story? First, the vibe of the room. Folks, when you're doing it right, you can just feel it. The vibe is electric. And you can just tell the team is buying into your message, your leadership, and the required goals. Second, the head nod. This means that you're nailing it. As you're speaking, hitting specific points, most people are nodding their head in agreement, buying into your leadership. This, my friends, is amazing. Keep going with it because this is really telling you that you're on your way. And try to remind yourself of how you acted, what you said, when and where, because those types of moments are the ones that you'll look back with proud memories of. Third, leaving the moment feeling proud. The reality is that while we sometimes aren't honest with ourselves, our intuition will be. You can tell when things are going well. You can tell when you have succeeded. And my advice is to hold on to that feeling. Often in the competitive world we live in, we are trained to ignore our pride, be happy with what we've done, and then quickly move on. But holding on to that pride helps us remember the examples of when our influence really, really mattered and when we were able to help people and our organization. The last thing that I'd like to talk about is your influence as a leader and how immediate, impactful, and long-lasting it is. What kind of impact do you want to have? And ask yourself that often because folks... As leaders, as emerging leaders, you are making an impact. As a follower, you are making an impact. We are all making an impact in everything that we do all the time. And as leaders, because this is a leadership podcast, it's important to remember, and if you haven't figured it out yet, your leadership will have a lasting, immediate impact. The reality of it is that influence can be title-related. I mean, if you're in charge, people will do what you tell them to do. 
but your title is not what will command respect. And honestly, if you haven't figured this point out by now, you may want to reconsider the kind of leader that you are, because it's not the kind that will inspire people. But if you want people to respect you, either as the leader or the person that you are, that takes a whole lot more work and time because it's those connections you build over time that are instrumental in helping you and your team succeed. Here's the thing. Your influence will affect your team's characters and behaviors. I'd like you to think of a time that you were in a team with a challenging leader. You know, let's, uh, let's just say it. Think about all of your shitty bosses. How did you feel? Was it hard to get motivated? Were you more apprehensive? Did you ever think to yourself, someday when I'm in charge, I'm never going to be like this asshole? Well, guess what? Your character was affected by this leader. Good or bad, that's happened. It's likely that you weren't as engaged in projects and during meetings when the leader spoke, there were likely quite a few internal eye rolls and special events became a real pain in the ass to attend because you, you don't want to be near these people. Now, imagine the people you saw as good leaders. Did they take the time for genuine connections, not blasting through the usual pleasantries? Were they sincere when asking about your day? Did they seem relaxed and fluid when they spoke to you, not really trying to force a conversation? I'm even willing to bet that events like Hawaiian Shirt Fridays were almost fun. Getting together after work wasn't a chore, and even small things happened, such as people lingering to chat for a moment after a meeting, not bolting out of the room as quickly as possible to avoid having to talk to the boss. And that's because these leaders understand the need to build these genuine connections. They see the value in getting to the heart of each team member. I'm not suggesting you should be best buddies with everyone and have birthdays memorized. Although, marking them on a calendar is certainly a good idea. In fact, it's even more important to maintain professional boundaries. But you can show people your human side. It can be hard to remember that we're all regular people, living regular lives. When I'm intimidated about meeting someone or I see myself in a new leadership role, I remind myself that we all poop. It's never fun. It's natural. But we all do it. The Prime Minister of Canada poops. And yet, the Prime Minister has to make large and difficult decisions. And then the Prime Minister makes large and difficult poops. It's just a fact of life. So, if you can find the balance within your team to show them your human side while still maintaining professional courtesies, it's likely your team will naturally find its balance. Much like pooping, don't try to force it until it's time. It's never good for anyone. For me, being an effective leader is about understanding the connectedness of the environment that I'm in. I'm about to shamelessly plug my all-time favorite leadership author, Margaret Wheatley, and her book, Leadership and the New Science, Discovering Order in a Chaotic World. In her book, she talks about the connectedness of everything around us. Her book teaches us how to see the chaos in our lives as order and how to use it to our advantage. If you are interested in hearing more about this, I've left a link to her book in the show notes or... Let me know if you would like to have a special episode about order in the new leadership world. I realize that none of what I'm telling you is a new concept. And if you're thinking to yourself that this is all common sense, well, that's a good thing. Because it is. And it also means that you are a strong, caring, dynamic leader. Most of us are leaders long before we get the official title. And our influence on those around us happens all the time in everything we do. But as emerging leaders, we have the chance to use this influence to directly improve the lives of those we are now responsible for. And really, why else are we leading people? Well, that's a wrap from the front. 
In this episode, I used real-world personal and professional examples to show how easily and directly an emerging leader influences their team members. I also provided some tools to help emerging leaders see when their influence is taking hold and when to learn how to step back and take a moment to regroup. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Never miss an episode by following us on all of your favorite feeds. While you're there, please consider leaving an episode review and let us know what topics you would like to hear about. Be sure to join us next week with your host, Simon Cardinal, for another episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. Produced by iGlenn Studios. Music provided by Ashamal of Music. Music.